Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. I'm here to tell you today he's worthy of your praise. Regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of where you're at, regardless if you had the best week of your life or the worst. He's worthy of your praise. It's a place of surrender, but it's also a place of strength. It's a place of sacrifice, but it's also a place of life. For you to make the choice to be a person that praises his name, beyond feeling, beyond desire, is actually what we are called to do, because if we don't, the rocks cry out, and we can either have that approach where we say, well, I don't want the rocks to cry out, so I'm going to cry out. I don't necessarily think that's bad, but I think it was more of the description to say, everything on earth praises me, so why don't you? Well, that's because we've been given a choice. So the earth declared the glory of God. The heavens declare his wonder. Everything on earth has to praise God. It was us that were given the choice. And the problem with life is we also have to wrestle between choice and feeling. And there's things that we've all gone through there's difficulties that we've all gone through. There's difficulties that we are all in. And God really gives us a key. He says, the difference between you staying where you're at mentally, spiritually, and you walking in the promises that I have for you, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Joy of the Lord is my strength is actually a choice that you make because he's given you dominion not just to over the world but over your world to not be ruled or a victim of your thoughts that go in one ear and they have the choice to either take root in your mind and in your heart but to actually take captive every thought and submit it to obedience and alignment with what the word has spoken. That's the choice that you have to make every day. So praise his name, but you don't know what I'm going through. So glorify his name, but you don't know what my week was like. My wife and I, we just had a huge fight. I don't even have my wife anymore. Pastor Eli, easy for you to say that. And I'm here to tell you today that even in good times and in bad The key to strength is not seclusion or isolation, but it's actually in praise. That's what I'm going to be preaching about today. And uh, we can thank our worship team. We're good guys. And we're going to go into the words this morning. Thanks, Dylan. I feel like I'm here on an assignment today. That's the beauty of God is that if you believe God's going to speak to you, can I tell you he's going to speak to you? If you believe God's going to pass you by, he'll pass you by. That's the beauty of, you know, Peter in the boat. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was walking past them because Jesus was on a mission. It says he was going to walk past them, then they cried out. And so, God responds to your expectation. God responds to your desire. So when you say, well, I just wish that God would show up, are you seeking him? Well, I wish I could find God. Well, the Bible says if you seek him, you will find him. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. So if you haven't found him, you haven't looked yet. It's kind of a hard reality because I would say in my darkest of years, my depression and suicide, I felt like I was seeking him. But then there was a moment where I reached my lowest where... I know in my heart I sought him, not with my mouth, but with my heart. And so there's a decision you have every single day to 
to seek him, to expect to receive from him. And so I want you to raise your expectation, your level of knowing that God wants to speak to you today and God wants to use you today. Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips and his praise will ever be on my lips. It's, it's, it's a psalm written by King David. Extol just as another form of all praise. Um, he's like, I'll praise the Lord all my all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It's like a double emphatic, just continuing. I'm going to praise, praise, praise. It's an interesting psalm here that we're reading about because David wrote this shortly after Saul tried to kill him. Saul tried to pin him against the wall, not like a picture, but with a spear. He tried to pin him like a picture to the wall. And he ran away. He ran away to a, a Philistine country called Gath. And he wrote that psalm, I will praise the Lord. His praise will always be on my lips. In fear of his life, he made a choice. He made a choice that regardless if it's a good time or a bad time, I'm going to choose to praise God. And some of us have been basing our praise, our worship on outcome, not on his goodness. Well, if God comes through, then I'll praise him. When praise should be foundation, not response. You're actually called to praise before you see the outcome. And I want you to know today that even though you feel like you're not praising and you feel like you kind of like relapsed into a point of despair or depression or loneliness or isolation, God can deal with your pain. God's not, say some of us have been taught, well, you got to go to God the right way. If you don't go to him the right way, then he won't receive you. Well, that's true to an extent. You have to go to him through Jesus. But God is not a human that he should lie, but he's also human enough that he has, he can feel our pain and our weaknesses, as Hebrews 4. We do not have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He, he knows what it's like to be rejected. That's Isaiah, I think, 53, that we esteemed him not. He was despised and rejected by man. He was crushed for our iniquities, pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brings us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So he can relate. That's what I'm here to tell you today. With your pain, he can relate with your struggle. He can relate with your loneliness. He was rejected. If you've ever felt rejected, overlooked, he can relate. He was left alone in his darkest of nights. Everyone left him. Even God left him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So if there's anyone that knows rejection, it's Jesus. If there's anyone that knows loneliness, it's Jesus. If there's anyone that can handle what you've gone through, it's Jesus. So David writes this psalm saying, I'll praise the Lord. His, it'll always be on my lips after he's running from his, for his life from Saul. And then he leaves this area of Gath and he goes to this cave. This cave, it was a refuge. It was a hiding place for protection. It was actually becoming a prison. Because there can be things in our lives where we think it's going to protect us. But it, that isolation is actually going to end up destroying you. And so we read, this is, this is what David wrote while he was in the cave, the cave of Adullam, Psalm 142. Don't confuse the, well, we read Psalm 34, and then we go to Psalm 142. These are actually right after each other. That's the beauty of the Bible. Like, it's, it's a grand story that God's telling to reveal who he is. Right? So the Bible wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. And to be able to know, like, so David goes from praising the Lord at all times to now this, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like David wrote or, or read Psalm 34. His praise will always be my, on, my on my lips. I pour out before him my complaint. God can handle your pain. God can handle your complaints. David, the best way to go before God is in all honesty and sincerity. Not to put up on a front, not to present a fake face, but to share your heart and pour your heart out before the Lord. 
That's the best way to be unapologetically authentic before the Lord is the key to actually finding healing in your pain. He says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. There's no one around me. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they're too strong for me. Remember, he's getting chased by Saul and Saul's army. He says, set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So I need you to know today that if you're in a cave or you're in a dark place, I got good news for you today that I'm going to be sharing in just a moment. But wherever you're at, you got to get back to Judah. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Get back to Judah. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, are you in darkness? You got to get back to Judah. Turn to your other neighbor and say, are you in a cave? If you're in a cave, you got to get back to Judah. You can be seated today. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of the Lord this morning. God, we thank you for your word. You can be seated. Speak through your servant today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about David today. The beauty of the Bible is, is, you know, not only did David write the Psalms, but David is actually, the life of David is actually communicated through the book of Samuel. We see David in pursuit, or not in pursuit, he is in, he's fleeing from King Saul. He's running from someone that could have been considered a father figure to him. Now, David's dad, Jesse, wasn't actually the best father. He was actually kind of out casted and even when Samuel came to find the next king he brought all the sons and and left David out to take care of the sheep so he was already kind of rejected by Jesse and then we find him rejected by Saul you want to talk about daddy issues David has them right but he knows who to go to he goes to the Lord he, he runs to the Lord and we're, the beautiful thing about Psalms is it's kind of like a beautiful song that is sung from the heart. It's not just about the beat, but it's actually about the words in the song. Some of y'all know those people. It's like, I just like the song for the beat. And those people are like the annoying people. Like, <laughs> like there's a whole story behind the song. And I, I'm more of a lyric person. I, I'm about the lyrics of the song and, and what it's communicating. Because if I just understand the beat and I just listen to the beat, I don't know the struggle. And the beautiful thing about David is you can see where God takes him from the the pit to the palace or from the taking care of the sheep to being king. But you, you can see that and say, wow, how great of a story that is. But you don't really see his struggle until you look at the Psalms. And your life may look similar to David's, although you're not David. You may be going through a figurative cave or valley season. And people may look on the outside and say, well, it's not so bad. But they don't really know what's going on in your heart and in your mind. That you may seem successful on the outside, have the right car, the right house, the right job, but inside you're in despair and in depression and you're crying yourself to sleep at night. Or maybe you don't cry yourself because that would be a form of weakness, but inside you feel broken and hurting and in need. Am I the only one in here who has ever been there where I've I felt like I've been doing everything right, but inside I feel so wrong and beat up. And so we see David, he's on the run from Saul. Not only is he on the run from Saul, but he also fought alongside Saul. And he fought alongside a lot of Saul's men. And anyone that has ever served in the military in here knows that there is no bond quite like those you fight alongside. There's no bond quite like those that you have brothers in arms with. And he finds himself being chased down by the very people that he bled with. If you ever want to talk about betrayal, there's no real betrayal like that of what David went through. So you can understand really what he's going through, that as he says, your praise will always be on my lips. He is also at the same time saying, I cried to the Lord for help. He says, no one is around me. So this is what David does is he leaves the, the territory of Judah. Judah is the place of the king. It's like the hometown. It's like 
it's like leaving Omaha to go to, I, I, I just set myself up, like I, I can't win, no matter what I do, I can't win here, so, so I'm not going to say it, it's like leaving Omaha to go to any town 50 miles around Omaha, it's not quite Iowa, but it's still in Nebraska, I love Iowa, and you know, Iowa Hawkeyes are way better than the Huskers right now, <clears throat> fact. And so we see, we, we, we see David, we see him running to a place known as Gath. Gath is Philistine territory. Gath is like, it's the enemy territory. So he moves from a friendly territory and goes to an enemy territory. I don't know if you've ever had a part in your life where something wasn't going right that you went completely to the dark side. Where you're like, well, God isn't pulling through, so I'm going to jump headlong into uh, drinking too much alcohol or taking too many pills and, and taking too many drugs. Or I don't know if you've ever been to the point where, man, everything's not, nothing's going right in my life, so I'm just going to jump fully to pornography. Or, you know, so we find, <laughs> here's the problem with this. Is many people would say, well, the Bible's not explicitly saying that. It's not. And the Bible was written not to you, but it was written for you. And there's an important thing you need to understand about Scripture is that God can speak to you in various ways. And the Holy Spirit is always speaking. Holy Spirit speaks through description. It also speaks through symbolism. God is so smart that he can orchestrate these stories to describe what has happened and then have us look at them in the past and describe what he was doing in the spiritual realm. God wrote the Bible for us to understand him not just for us to know what he did, to for us to understand him and how he works. What I'm describing to you today is how God works and how we as a tendency have a tendency to behave. When things do not go right in your life, sometimes we have the tendency to go fully AWOL into things that are completely against God because we felt like God was against us. And so we find he kind of comes to his senses in this place of Gath. Now, by the way, he wrote Psalm 34 while he was in Gath. When he was with the enemy, he said, my praise will always be on. His praise will always be on my lips. And we find himself, this is a beautiful thing about correlation in the Bible, is you can read the Psalms, and then you can read what actually happened in Samuel. So we go to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 22. You guys got your Bibles today? You got it on your phone? Pull it out. Come on, pull it out. Pull it out on your phone. We're going to read along today. I got my Bible. We're going to be reading out of the NIV today, the NIV. It's my Bible. I've had a, this application study Bible for 15, 20 years, and uh, still my Bible. I love it. 1984 NIV, so there's, sometimes there's different words because it's like they updated and things like that. So, all right. So, second, our first Samuel, chapter 22, we read about what actually really happened. David left Gath an escape to the cave of Adullam. So he left the enemy territory, and he went to Adullam. Adullam is a place just southwest of Jerusalem. It's, it's not quite enemy territory, but it's not quite the promised land. It's like if you shacked up on the river between Nebraska and Iowa. All right, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that anymore. All right, it's not quite in the promised land, but it's not quite an enemy territory. It's not quite in what God has asked of you, but it's not quite in complete rebellion. It's in between places. Say in between. It's in between all that God has for you and in between all that the devil wants for your life. That's death, hell, and the grave. Destruction, kill, steal, and destroy your life. Like, I'm not going to go fully against what God has asked for me, but I'm not quite in all the promises that he's provided for me. I'm not quite feeling the joy of the Spirit. I'm not quite feeling faithfulness, love. I'm not quite feeling self-control. I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm in between. Adullam is a place of in-between. He escaped to a cave of Adullam. And we find in Psalm 142, he's describing his state of mind in the state of Adullam. In the state of in-between, we see, he says, no one was with me. This is my complaint before the Lord. No one's around me. Now, I don't know when exactly while he was in the cave he wrote that, but the Bible describes what his cave experience was like in the next verse, 22 verse 1. 
It says, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt, say distress, say in debt, say discontented. Basically, all the outcasts gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men with him. So we find David was in a place of a dulum. He felt alone, but he was surrounded. Now, I don't know about you, and maybe this is a good holiday season type message, but this is a type of season where we can be around a lot of people but still feel alone. Have you ever been in that environment where maybe you've been in church, maybe you've been around a lot of people, maybe you've been in group, maybe you jumped on a team, but you still felt alone? Has anyone ever been there before? Let me see a show of hands. Like, okay, let me just confront something really quick. That's a spirit. That's a spirit that is not of God. That is a spirit known as an orphan spirit. We're going to be tackling that in January, but you need to know today that that is not God's design for your life. For you to feel surrounded, but not supported. David was in the cave. He said, no one has concern for me. This is a trap we can fall into as a parent. I take care of all my kids all the time, and no one ever takes care of me. This is a trap we can fall into as a spouse. Well, I'm always doing everything, and, and he's not doing nothing, and she's not doing anything, and that's a trap that we can fall into. And if we have the wrong perspective, it'll become a trap, but if we have the right perspective, we'll be like Jesus. It's a weird little circumstance that you have the choice to make that Jesus chose to deny what was rightfully his to give us what was his. To lose our life for his sake is actually where we find it. When we're choosing to, looking to try to find our life, we actually lose it. When we look at it as what's in it for me, we actually never get what we were supposed to get. It's a really small world when it's just about you. But if you took a moment to actually look out for one another and to refresh one another, you'll find that you find life that is truly life. And so we see David in this cave of Adullam, and he's abandoned. He's surrounded, but he doesn't feel supported. Have you ever been in that place where you've had a lot of people around you, but you just didn't ever feel like anyone had you? I just feel like no one has my back, and I just feel like no one really cares for me. I'm just going above and beyond. I can tell you that the Bible describes certain scenarios and situations that can give you an outlook look on what to actually do. I love reading the Bible. Every time before I read the Bible, I ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me what you're trying to say? Because God is so brilliant. He can describe situations that are not exactly what you've gone through, but are actually very similar to what you're going through. And if you look hard enough, you'll actually be able to find it in the Bible. That's why it's important that you read the Word of God. That you be a person that's continually in the word of God because the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. And you don't know. He may give you a word today that you'll need tomorrow. Many times when we're lacking strength for today, it's because we didn't build up strength yesterday. And sadly, I know he'll, he'll give us strength today, but, you know, he wanted to give it to us yesterday. And so that's why it's important that you're in church every single week because life may be going good. Let's, let's get gone are the days where we go to church just because we're in crisis. Gone are the days where it's like, yeah, my life's not going well. Got to get back together. Got to get back in church. Gone are the days when I just go to church because I need to pick me up. I'm going to go to church every single week, not just because for myself, but yes, I'm going to get refreshed. But there's someone I'm going to encounter on a Sunday that needs what God has given me. And I'm not just looking to get filled. Can I tell you, you grow up in, in maturity in Christianity when you're not looking just to get filled, but you're looking actually to fill. When you're looking at what you can give, that's what it's like to be like Jesus. Jesus got down. He washed his disciples' feet. Some of us go into these environments and we're like, if someone would just wash my feet, I'm trying to teach you a, a higher way to live, a better way to live, that as you do so, you find that you also find life. So we see David in this, in this cave, and, and he's, he's feeling abandoned, and even though he has people all around him and and we pick up in verse three that his family's with him and he knows that his family can't really be with him long because he's got his dad and his mom and who knows maybe they can't keep up if if Saul pursued them they would get left behind and they'd end up passing away or are getting killed by Saul 
And so David is looking out for his family because a godly man looks out for his family. And he, he takes them to a place of Moab. Now, Moab is not a place of unfamiliarity with David. David's great-grandmother, Ruth, was from Moab. So in a way, he's returning back to what he's known. This sounds a lot like Peter when he went back fishing after Jesus rose from the grave. There can be a tendency in our life that after we started following Jesus, when things don't go right, that we go back to what we've known. It's the only stability that we have. He was seeking stability. He was seeking a refuge. He was seeking to be safe. And he drops his parents off in Moab. We pick up verse 3. And he said to the king of Moab, would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? I believe that as he was on this journey to keep his parents safe, it occurred to him that God still wanted him to be king. You want to talk about a place of refuge, he's got, he goes to another country, Moab, and he'll be safe from Saul. But he knew he couldn't quite live away from what God called him to. See, some of us are seeking our purpose, and we're not even going after it. We're just expecting God to bring it to us. So God spoke something to us, and we ended up not not doing the class, not going to the course. We, we ended up just going back to what was comfortable. We, God put a mantle on us, and instead of going and burning the plows, we went back to plowing. That's the story of Elisha. There does have to be movement to God's purpose for your life. David said, praise the Lord who fulfills his purposes for me. In your life, there does have to be some movement. And so he, it occurs to him, I got to go back and learn until I learn what God will do for me. See, can I tell you, in our lives, we can choose to live in this place where we have that question, how's God going to make this work? There's a level of anxiety that I've lived with in my life, and many of our load-in team doesn't know this, but I used to wake up with a little bit of a panic attack every Sunday morning thinking that the building would be locked and our team wasn't able to load in. It was like perpetually. So I used to wake up. Kelly doesn't even know this. I would wake up at 4.50 and check my phone right away. Are there any problems? Are there any problems? Are there any problems? That's what it was like when we were at Westside. That's what it was like when we were at Ralston Arena. And for the first few months, that's what it was like when we were here. And I found that I was living in a perpetual state of what's going to happen. And in your life, you have to make a shift between what's going to happen to what I know God has spoken. You have to be able to make a choice. Man, we're fighting in our marriage all the time. What's going to happen? To, no, I know that God brought us together. I know that the Lord wants us to be married. I know we're fighting right now. Now, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about sexual, um, what would be the word, uh, immorality and, and like cheating on the spouse. I'm not talking about that. But there is a level where we let these little things. My wife and I had our biggest argument over cold water, washing dishes with cold water and dish soap. And I said the words, why do we even get married? How stupid was I, right? I'm here to tell you today, like, you can, you, you can live in the perpetual state of what's going to happen. Or you can choose to move to I know what God has spoken. And I can tell you that is what maturity is. David says, I'm going to see what God will do. For me, David knew, he just didn't remember. He knew that he was called to be king. He just had a tough time remembering. So we find, pick up in verse 4. So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. So he went back to the stronghold to see what God was going to do for him. God will give you a vision, but that does not always alleviate confusion in your life. It is not your purpose to know the times and the seasons on how God is going to bring something to pass that he has spoken. We're not called to live in outcome. We're called to live in obedience. I hope that sets someone free today. Some of you have been waiting, well, I'm going to see if God comes through. And God says, I just asked you to be obedient. Trust me with the process. God's not a microwave. He's an oven. You know, there's seed time and harvest, right? God takes his time. And I don't necessarily think that God's slow in keeping his promises as much as we are slow in being transformed into his image. Because what he's doing in you is more important 
than what he's doing through you. Man, we need to write a book on that or something. Some of us are so concerned about the outcome that should we get the outcome, we wouldn't be the person that we were supposed to be to sustain the outcome. So we see God transforming David into the man that he needed to be to carry the kingdom to bring it into the season that God designed for it to be. To be able to produce the offspring, to be able to build the temple. We see David being transformed through his difficulty. So he goes back to the stronghold. Now, the stronghold, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard of the phrase stronghold before. We demolish strongholds, and, and we, in the name of Jesus, we demolish strongholds, and I pray against the stronghold of this. And, and, and that is true to an extent, and, and we, we see David going back to the stronghold. The stronghold can be a good thing, and it can also be a bad thing, because you can run to a stronghold for protection under his wings. We can be sheltered by the Most High. You can run to a stronghold in protection, but it can also allow an enemy to be rooted in your life that's hard to evict. A stronghold can be good, and a stronghold can also be bad. The devil can have a stronghold in your life, and we can run to a stronghold for protection. What we find, David wasn't quite in the enemy's territory, but he wasn't quite in the promised land. He was in a cave of Adullam. Adullam means refuge. He was in a place of refuge, not knowing that if he stayed there too long, that place of refuge would become his prison. Can I tell you that there's things in our lives that we run to in an effort to escape what we're going through? Talk to any person that struggled with alcohol. They'll know what I'm talking about. Any person that had a pill addiction or a pornography addiction or any kind of addiction for that sort, there's things that we run to to escape the reality that we are in. Can I tell you that everything that you see that is manifesting in your life on the outward is actually just a level of an internal bondage, stronghold. It's just an example. So many of us will go after that thing. Oh, you, bro, you just need to stop looking at pornography. Or sis, you just need to stop popping the pills. Like, you just need to stop. You need to put a lock on the medicine cabinet. But if you don't ever deal with what's going on in the heart... All that is, that's a refuge that someone's running to. I want to help someone in here today. The things that you see that are popping up in your life that are not of God is really just an outward expression of something broken in your heart and in your spirit. He's a father to the fatherless. We talked about that last week. So the goal isn't necessarily to fix the behavior. It's actually to fix the belief that enables the behavior. I'm worthless. No one cares about me. My wife doesn't care about me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to run to pornography because I can find images and videos and pictures and things like where I feel like people actually care about me. Well, I'm going to run to the, the alcohol because it's going to cause me to numb out. There's other things like video games can be a, an addiction, an unhealthy adulum. It can be something that was meant to be a refuge, but actually became a prison. Any kind of thing, any golf, music, something that God gave to be able to bless you can actually become a prison in your life because you're trying to escape your reality. So we see David in this place that was meant to protect him, but the very thing that can protect a man can also be something that imprisons you to another. So we see him right in the middle of this in between places, and then God speaks through a prophet. His prophet is named Gad in verse 5. It says, but the prophet Gad came to David and said, do not stay in the stronghold. Hold on a second. Like, this is like the safe place. Like, Paul, Saul can't find him here. Like, this is against sound advice. Like, I'm in the cave. I'm doing fine. Like, I'm not quite in Philistine territory. I'm not quite in Gath anymore. Like, but I'm just in between places right now. I'm not quite in the house of God. But, you know, I attend church every once in a while. And Gad comes to him and he says, stop staying here. Sounds a lot like God going to Elijah and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah was depressed. Elijah wanted to kill himself. He said, God, just take my life. I'm done. Have you ever been there? We've been depressed. God said, do not stay here. Because when you stay there, your mind starts to run in circles around you. It starts to entangle you, and it starts to become a stronghold 
over your life. And the prophet Gad comes to him. He says, David, you cannot stay here any longer. You cannot stay in between any longer. You got to move. I look at the three, pro- the, th- the three lepers outside Samaria and they say, why stay here until we die? If we go into the, key, into the, into the town, we're going to die. If we go to the enemy, we're going to die. Let's just do something. Can I tell you in your life, you have to make a choice. He says, do not stay in the stronghold. Do not stay here because if you stay here, if you set up in the stronghold, David, too long, if you stay in this cave too long, you don't know that the very thing that's giving you comfort right now will be the very thing that will keep you bound. It may feel good to be isolated when you feel abandoned. It may good to feel good to separate yourself when you feel betrayed. But that feeling, that thing that brought initial comfort will eventually become your prison. It may feel good to live a pessimistic lifestyle that you don't ever get your hopes up because you've been let down so many times. And so I'd rather not get my hopes up because if I'm let down, then I've got to worry about getting hurt. It may feel comfortable, but it's only a matter of time where you stop living in faith. It may feel good, but it's going to keep you bound and lack. It's going to keep you bound in self-pity, and it's going to keep you bound in isolation. Because the very thing that looks like it can give you comfort in one season can be a prison in the next. We see him. He says, you can't stay in the stronghold. Verse 5, go in to the land of Judah. What's, my, what's the message called? Get back to Judah. I'm here to tell you today that if you're in between, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to stay in the in-between or to get back to Judah. To go back to the Lord. To go back to the promises. To not stay in the stronghold. To not stay in the state of mind. Some of you have been in your state of mind for so long, it's become your new identity. And you're looking back. I used to be a person that laughed. I used to be a person that enjoyed life. I used to be a person that was optimistic, but I got let down so many times. I used to be a person that was full of faith, but I've seen too many people die. I used to be the person that would go in the hospitals and pray, but I've seen too many people not get healed. So I I learned to get comfortable in my disbelief. I learned to get comfortable in my... I felt like I was being the Holy Spirit, obedient to the Holy Spirit so many times. I would go and pray someone, pray for someone and not see a result, and then I'd stop praying because I decided to be in between, a place that was comfortable, but I didn't realize it was quickly becoming my prison. That's what loneliness can do. That's what addiction can do. It can leave you in a rut where your mind starts to run circles around you. And we're called as Christians, if we are not on guard, we'll become victim to the mindset of this world. The mindset of this world says, hey, you know, recession. People are just getting sick. People, you know, people just can't make any money. You know, that's just how it is, the dating circle nowadays. You know, that's just how it is. You know, parenting nowadays, you got to give the kid the iPad at two. We can choose to become victims. If we're not careful, we will become victims of culture and society. But how many know that we're actually called to live in faith and transform culture? Like, we're not called to live in hopelessness. We're not called to live in despair. We're actually called to live in freedom. We're actually called to live in purpose. We're actually called to be a light to the world, not to be like the world. And in order to get a different type of mindset, when you find those things coming into your ear that call you, that say you're nothing but a a good-for-nothing son, you're nothing but a good-for-nothing daughter. You'll be just like your mom, or you'll be just like your dad. I hope I'm like my dad. My dad's awesome. Right? Like, but, but there's things that come into our minds that if we're not on guard, we'll start to shape our identity. And I need to be able to give you a weapon today that when you feel like your mind is in a rut, the most powerful weapon that you have when your mind is in a rut, you got to write this down today, it's your mouth. It's your profession. You got to change your profession. Dad says, David, you can't stay in the stronghold. 
Because you're getting caught up in all this emotion and all this stuff. You're saying no one's around you, but David, you got 400 people around you. Yeah, but they're all in debt. They're all in despair. They're all good for nothing people. David, you got to get out of this place. You got to snap out of this depression. The worst thing you can tell someone that's in depression is come on, dude. You got to look outside. It's so there's sun outside. I know because I was there. I wanted to end my own life. I wanted to kill myself when I was 17. It was a spirit of suicide that the Lord delivered me from. So I'm not here to tell you, come on, you just got to cheer up. David said, I'm going to praise the Lord. It'll always be on my lips. He wasn't saying that because he felt it. He was saying that because he knew what he needed to do. And sometimes in your life, regardless of what you're feeling, you have to make a choice. It'll keep you from being a victim to your circumstance and cause you to be an overcomer in your circumstance. When you learn to get the profession, not what you believe, not what you know to be true in this present circumstance, but what the Word of God has spoken, when you change your profession, it starts to change your mind. When your mind starts to change, you actually start to see that what God was bringing you was actually being used not just to transform you, but actually to get you where He wanted you to be. To be able to speak it out of your mouth, I don't believe it. Yeah, but He says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I think I'm ugly. I just got to lose a few more pounds. I just got to get the right clothes or get the right body. Then someone will actually love me. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully. You got to start speaking that out of your mouth. Well, I don't believe it. I'm not talking about faking it until you make it. I'm talking about listening to what your heavenly father has spoken about you and agreeing with that. There's a difference between conjuring things up and making things up. Was partnering with what God has spoken. So through the word of God, David's saying, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will is a choice. It wasn't a feeling. I will praise. His praise will. I will. I'm willing it. I'm choosing today beyond feeling. To love my spouse. That's how you have a good marriage. To choose every day. Beyond feeling. Beyond present momentary circumstance. And when you choose to go back to Judah. This is the beautiful thing. Gad says, go back to Judah. You know what Judah means? Judah means praise. He's saying, David, you've been caught in this rut too long. It's about time that you get a new profession out of your mouth. I see you in this cave saying, no one's got me. No one's surrounded me. And if you're not careful, that'll become your identity. And then you'll jump from church to church, relationship to relationship. You'll live in between. I, I, I just, I, I like the online thing because I've been hurt too many times by too many people. And, you know, it becomes, becomes personal where it's like, man, I, I, I'm just not very good with I really screwed up this relationship or they really screwed up me and then it becomes permanent or like I just screw up every relationship and then it comes pervasive where you're like I just screw up everything in my life that's a dangerous place that you get in when you let your mind start to get in a rut a rut is is nothing more than a grave with with the ends kind of kicked out and you're walking back and forth like like to be able to get out of that you got to be able to make a choice God says, David, you got to get back to praise. You got to get, you got to get your praise back. Like, David, get back to Judah. It's okay. He makes a choice. He goes, guys, come on. 400, despair, and debt. Come on, guys, let's go get back to praise. We're going to get back to Judah. And they get to Judah. And then they find that the people of Kilia, those were God's people in the promised land, were getting raided by the Philistines. David gets word of this. Why did he have to get to Judah? Because there was people there that needed him. And he gets there and he hears this word. He says, well, God, that's, that's like Saul's problem. Saul's, that's Saul's people. And so there's these people that were abandoned by Saul because Saul was doing his own thing, trying to kill David. He wasn't actually protecting the people that God entrusted him with. And so David was pursued by Saul, abandoned by Saul. Kildia is pursued by Saul, abandoned by, or not pursued by Saul, but just abandoned by Saul. And David has a choice to make. 
I've been going through that. I'm going to go and try to help someone else that's going through what I'm going through. This isn't a blind leading the blind. This is someone with faith trying to impart faith into someone else. Like, I haven't fully seen myself get healed, or I haven't fully seen myself get set free. Now, I'm not talking about giving advice to someone if you're still walking in darkness, but I am talking about imparting faith. He goes to Gilead, and he ex expels the Philistines that were raiding, and 200 more people get added to David's army. All because he decided to get back to praise. And I know you have a choice to make to either get, when you get back to praise, you could either live there where you're just like, God, I'm going to keep praising your name, but you actually never move until you start to refresh someone else. Because you can choose to praise him, but you're actually not going to get refreshed until you look at someone else who's having a tough time praising him. The Bible says that in Proverbs, he who refreshes others will also be refreshed. That's Proverbs 11. So to be able to get your eyes off yourself, and this is the beautiful part, because we, we live in a, 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 a time period where we're looking at our present momentary circumstance, but God's beyond time. Like, he knows the beginning from the end. So you may not know how God's going to work it out, but he does. You may not know, like, God, this is not going very well right now. My kids are far from you. But I know that word that you spoke that, Generation and generation, they'll serve your names. I'm going to bang on that, on obedience. I know, I felt like you, you, you told me that this will, sickness will not end in death. So I'm going to take that to the bank and I'm going to believe in that. Because we can only look at what we see. You can only see right now. But he can see how God's using this to shape you for what he has for you. God, I'm in debt. How am I going to get out of this? Yeah, I'm teaching you how to manage money. I'm teaching you how to be faithful with little. Well, God, when I tithe, no, 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 no. You tithe now. Like, I'm teaching you how to be faithful with money. God, when I make enough money, then I'll tithe, and then I'll, no, no, no. I'm teaching you how to be faithful right now. I'm teaching you how to be a king right now. I'm teaching you how to be a spouse right now. I'm teaching you how to raise not just your kids, but my spiritual kids right now. I'm teaching you right now, because he's been faithful. And this is the beautiful thing. So we go to, back to Psalm, or uh, Samuel 22, verse 2. It, it, remember, we read this. It's all those who are in distress. All those who are discontented and debt gathered around him. It may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by losers. <laughs> it may feel like I'm surrounded, and I am surrounded by those in debt. <laughs> You can look at it one way, but God sees it another way. Let's stand to our feet this morning. As we close today, I need you to see that what appears to be descriptive to you is actually prescriptive for your purpose. Let me say that again. It's descriptive to you but it's actually prescriptive for your purpose. So here, this was written about 900 B.C. It was describing David's life and, you know, Samuel and, and King Saul and, and all that. And it just described what was happening during the time. But then there's this other book called Chronicles. Chronicles is a chronicle of the events that took place in history. So they had the ability to have hindsight. This was written about 450 B.C. to be able to see how God used what David was going through for his good. Let's pick that up. First Chronicles 12. It says some Gadites defected to David at his stronghold. That was Adullam. So these were the people, the 400. This was some of the 400 that went to David in the wilderness. They were brave warriors. They were ready for battle and able to handle the shield and the spear. Wait, they were in debt, discontented. How do you describe your circumstance right now is different from how God sees it. You got to see God's perspective. God sent them some warriors able to handle the shield and spear. Their faces were the faces of lions. And they were as swift as gazelles in the mountain. I can tell you this right now.
that your description of your scenario may very well be true. But I'm telling you not to live by what you seek, not to live by what you feel, but to live by faith. He has been good to you. He really has. He has healed people before. He really has. He has restored marriages. He really has. He has brought prodigals home. He really has. He has cured people of depression. He really has. He has set those free that were in debt. He really has. He has been able to bless you with children. He really has. He has been faithful to you in your past. He's faithful to you right now. And he will be faithful with you tomorrow. He always has, always is, and always will be. So you have a choice. To get back to Judah is your choice. And if you choose to stay in the cave, all you will ever have is the cave. But if you choose to get out, and you choose to go to a place of praise beyond feeling, you will find that in praise is his presence, is his provision, is his power, is his grace in your weakness. Amen? Amen. Come on, how many were blessed by this word today? Amen. So I was going to have us go back into worship, but we're not going to do that. This is applicable beyond Sunday. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is your life. So you got to take this home with you. Be a, regardless of what you feel. We don't live by what we feel, but by your words, your truth revealed. That's like a song or something. Like that. We're not going to sing it. Hey, but before we leave today, I want to say a prayer over everyone today. So don't get up and leave right now. But before we leave today, I want to pray for a special group of people here. In us, with us today that you haven't given your life over to the Lord. And so with every head bowed in this place, and you know I'm talking to you because you can feel like I've never given my life over to the Lord, or maybe it's been a long time since you've given your life to the Lord. Like, talking months, years, you find yourself back in the house of God, and you're like, man, I've picked up my own life, and I've, I've been taking it for myself. I want you to know today that right now is your opportunity to lay your life back down and give it back over to him. And how are we going to do that? In just a moment, I'm going to ask that you lift up your hand because I want to say a prayer with you, and I want to know who I'm praying for today. So if you're in this place, you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me. I need to give my life over to the Lord. I got good news for you, my friend. You are a prayer away. Today's the day of salvation. Don't let this pass you by. But say, Jesus, I'm coming with you. So if you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me. I want to give my life over to the Lord. Would you lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Shut up your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand right there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.